I don't think this will come as a surprise to anyone, but I wasn't a jock in high school. I'm not even sure what you'd call me since I didn't have a consistent look. Every weekend, I would go to Georgetown in D.C. or Montgomery Mall to try on clothes. And in the dressing rooms, I was reminded what I was fighting against. Because as a teenager, my body was sprouting what I thought was an extremely aggressive amount of body hair. At first, there were a few strands that had popped up on my chest, and I was like, all right, all right. And seemingly overnight, my body became a Brillo pad. All I saw was this awkward, short, hairy boy in the mirror. During the height of all of this shopping, around the age of 16, I was sitting in environmental science class and I did something I've never done before. Christina Mavropalopos sat next to me. I'd known her since elementary school. I tapped her on the arm, and when she turned, I said, look at this, and lifted my wide leg jean pant to show her my leg hair. It was inappropriate, but my thought was, Christina's Greek, she's gonna know what to do here. It was an impulsive, desperate attempt to get someone to say, everything's okay. Christina looked at my leg and whispered, that's totally normal. And in fact, a lot of girls are into that sort of thing. Then she pointed to Chanel Taylor, this cute varsity cheerleader sitting near us. Even Chanel's into that sort of thing. You got nothing to worry about. Whew, what a relief. And I want to ask you, in what world would that have ever have happened? Are you nuts? No, I tapped her on the shoulder, pulled my leg pan up, and she said, ew, dude. She said, ew. And I thought, that went so much better in my head. This is Mark Pagan, and you're listening to Other Men Need to Keep Their Pants On. It took me a long time to like the way I look. Part of its age, part of its growing into my body. But my God, man, there was a lot of time spent on trying many, many different styles. You see, every time I tried on a new outfit, I was expecting the mirror to act like a magic genie and reflect back a confident rebel spirit who was immune to the world's judgment. Since high school, these looks included the Quiet Storm, which includes turtleneck sweaters and a dope gold chain. This is Mark, and you're listening to Medianoche con Mark Pagan. We're live, 95.5 on your FM dial. Ambiguously ethnic soccer stud, athletic build, hair in a ponytail. Here we are warming up at Wembley, the... Teams are lining up in the tunnel, and there is Mark Bagon, as we all know, just signed a £60 million contract, as if he needs any more sports cars or any more models. 
heart of gold gangster crony. I'm thinking of leaving my assassin life behind to start an orphanage. The one that got away. That's when Miranda realized Mark was attractive because he was unavailable. I can say this. After years of trying on different pants, I was exhausted. Looking disaffected takes too much work. And now? Hmm. What's my look? Yuppie, hipster, worn out. I'm more or less very happy when I leave the house. I think I have some nice clothes and a good idea of what fits me correctly. But it's been decades of shopping alone, my friends. It's not every weekend, but every few months, it's me alone in some dressing room, occasionally getting interrupted to see if... Uh, how do you have to fit? Yeah, I'm just getting it on right now. Okay. Yeah. Sure. I wanted some guidance on moving forward and how to look like me. Like 40-something me. Part of the benefit of doing a podcast focusing on men is that friends will email you and say, I'm going to this fitting party with a bunch of fashionistas. You coming with me? And that is when you, as producer, pack up your audio equipment, bike six miles on a May afternoon to meet a bunch of stylish men drinking Aperol spritzes who look, well, not like they just cycled the length of Manhattan in 85-degree weather. These fellas were dapper. Well, I'm, I'm, by the way, my name's Mark. I'm recording this for, I'm, I do a podcast called Other Men Need Help. Uh, the show's called Other Men Need Help. Other Men Need Help? Yeah, that gives you an idea. Uh, what's your name? Ian. Great, Mark again. I think the two most imp- like things impressed in my brain are um, Calvin Klein's just white t-shirt and jeans campaign. And to preface, my day job is an Instagram influencer, so I create content specifically for menswear, brands, lifestyle, fashion. And this is where I met Nathaniel Adams, who goes by Natty. No, I made him a few things with my old company. Yeah. I made him a couple of, um, this is beautiful fabric collection I like, made by Holland and Sherry from, from England. It's called Highland Glen. I knew Natty from his books about stylish men around the world. Natty, like other men at the party, is a dandy. And you're in Baltimore. I'm in Baltimore. So I'm back there. I'm back in the Maryland area every six weeks. My family's there. I'm in mostly the D.C. area, so like D.C. suburbs. But maybe maybe a Baltimore visit. That'd be great. Do you have both here or just the one? Yeah. And months later. I decided to get a pair of pants made for the first time and found myself en route to Natty's home in Baltimore, Maryland. There was a time when I was younger where I started to dream about having a tailor. I'm looking for a navy suit for war. Okay, just take this way, sir. I've seen them all. Big, small, wide, slim. 
my little teenage endorphins ran wild thinking, oh, I can do that when I'm older. Trousers for the man of action. Trousers for the man of taste. Trousers for the man of I love the symbols of these spaces, the tools, the expertise, the precision, the rituals. But like a lot of male culture, I had a mixture of excitement and skepticism. Why does a simple need, like asking someone, how do I look, have to be put in some coded formal session? I just want it to be more every day. Not a big deal. I know that that's the case for some men, and I know that it's not the case for all women. But I'm slightly envious when I hear the casual ease some of the women in my life have talking to each other. And the very basic request of asking someone, this outfit, is it working? And I wasn't convinced that a tailoring opportunity would offer anything different. And all of this ran through my mind leading up to the door opening on a Sunday morning in Charm City. Hello. Hey. Hi. Good, Good to, to see, see you. you. Yeah, thanks for coming. When Natty opened the door to me, he was wearing trousers with a large black, white, and red checkered pattern, a white cotton shirt with a button-down collar worn open and unbuttoned at the neck, a vintage black and white neck scarf, and some big 1970s-style Michael Caine glasses. And I instantly yearned for his approval. Dressing is one of those things. It is a very basic human thing. It's, it's like eating or having shelter, but it's something we don't often think about in those terms. Uh, particularly in sort of wealthy Western countries, we think of it as something that's a kind of, I think if it's a choice, we have, the, we have the luxury and the privilege of choosing what we wear. For me, dressing every day is a joy. The more time I spent with Natty, the more I found myself modeling his poses. Crossing my legs at the same angle soon after we sat, standing and placing my hand on my lower back, more as a pose than an actual back support need. I was taking inventory of what was on his wall and thinking in my head, oh, I need that. Oh, that's cool. I wonder if other guys have had this experience when they meet Natty or when they walk into his house. Because as a tailor, Natty will meet a lot of his clients in his home. Part of the reason I like what I do is because I'm meeting one-on-one -on -one with people and I'm getting to know them and I'm, we're talking about what their needs are and, and you know, what works for them. And it's a very personal thing. And I, I think that that's what style should be. And that's what excites me about it. Natty told me the process isn't just personal. It's also vulnerable. And this vulnerable relationship between tailor and customer isn't new. There's this idea that a tailor was someone like your doctor or like your barber, someone who you were quite intimate with and who knew, knew a, a bit about your body and who knew how much you weighed and who knew how tall you were and knew if your gut was getting bigger or smaller. There are time-worn euphemisms that you use to talk about things. You know, you don't say you have a fat ass. You say you have a prominent seat. The sort of famous classic thing is you ask, which way do you dress? Meaning, to which side does, do your genitals hang? <laughs> Where's your junk? I'm not answering that. But this prompted something I really wanted to know. When somebody comes in to talk to you that you might understand what that vulnerability is and how do you work around that? In historical terms, knowing what I do from all the research I've done, men are more body conscious than they ever were. 
I think I think it sort of used to be that you know you got to forty and you had a gut and that was it and that was a distinguished thing to have, uh, which is a sign of a life well led. Now there's a little bit more kind of stigma against that. Men work out, men go to the you know men go to the gym, men try to get beach bodies. They'll try to head you off about it. They'll say you know I've put on some weight or you know my thing is I've got a big belly or you know my shoulders are hunched. The tailor's job is to make your shoulders look wide, your waist look smaller, your legs look longer, and we'll do the best job we can to do that. Okay, this has me interested in wanting a tailor. Before we started the process of getting pants made for me, I had thoughts that this was going to be some sort of dress-up party. I'd charm the pants, hmm. Not off of, but onto Nathaniel, with my impressions of the worldly Mediterraneo guy I thought would appear when in tailored outfits. I'd strut around in pants and we'd laugh. Oh, we'd laugh. <laughs> Pants. Coming up on Medianoche con Mark Pagan. I can show you a few examples here. Yeah. I wish I could tell you about how charming and communicative um, I was during the session. Natty probably had no idea but I was not being myself. He stood 18 inches from my body with that hand-on-hip inspector look reviewing my legs. I was intimidated and became very shy. Do you untuck your shirts or...? No, I usually keep them tucked in. And you usually wear button-downs or...? Button-downs. I wasn't thrilled with the truth. Arms up for one second. Arms up, yeah. I've got you 32 inches of your waist. 32. Man, I did not come here for that I mean, news. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's funny. That's the one thing that guys always, you know, what's my waist? And I'm, I always tell them it's usually two inches or something bigger than whatever their jeans say. And what I said next may have felt like it was coming from nowhere. But I'd been comparing our bodies since arriving. Both Natty and I are men of mixed race. And like me, Natty has dark body hair. I went for it. When did you start getting body hair? Very, very young, yeah. I probably started getting a little mustache when I was 12 or 13. Definitely had chest hair by the time I was in high school. Hairy arms and all that. Uh, maybe you can relate to this. I think when, when you're younger, it's, it's an awkward thing to deal with. Particularly for young women, they're put off by it or intimidated by it or sort of don't really know how to deal with it. I was kind of delighted to hear this. So... I told Natty about my experience with Christina in science class back in high school. Exact same experience. I remember very, very distinctly when I was in high school, which is probably when I, my legs were fully, you know, fully hairy. I, you know, I came to school one day wearing shorts. Uh, it must have been a freshman in high school if I was still wearing shorts because I stopped after this. And I remember someone said, uh, someone came up to me and they were looking at me and they said, oh, I thought you were wearing fishnets. And from that day forward, I never wore shorts again. I was so self-conscious about my hairy legs. While I tried on various pants and we did more measurements, I remembered something. Something I'd never thought about. My junior year of high school, the one where I was in environmental science class, well, the year started with basically no friends. There was a boy named Chris in that science class that I wanted to be friends with for some reason. But he was this handsome and rising popular kid. 20 years later, this is all a mystery to me, 
but I thought that bonding would entail us going clothes shopping together. So when I approached him and asked him, Chris gave me a look that was the equivalent of, uh, fuck no. I think he even quietly mocked me with other jockey boys. And the reason I asked Chris to do this makes sense to me now, standing next to Natty. Changing my look seemed to be all that I was focusing on with being a short, hairy boy. And I thought other boys were going through the same thing. Or maybe the ones that weren't going through it could validate me. I was so desperate in my plea to connect with another boy and have him say to me, I don't like the way I look. It was a week or two after approaching Chris to ask if he'd go shopping with me that I went and asked Christina for validation with my leg hair. And that's been the pattern for years hiding the parts of myself I don't like with clothing and relying mostly on women to ease my insecurities. And more so than having a good fashion sense at the age of 40, I wanted this pattern of emotional labor placed on my partners to stop. After I left, I thought about this conversation a lot. Nothing monumental was said, but it was significant to me. Months later, I was back in Baltimore. Uh, yeah, you want to see your pants? Yeah. And when I put them on, I felt like Gene Kelly. Immediately, I have to say, I love the flat, like the sort of, I don't have pants or trousers that oh, have sort of this, this yeah. flare. It's, it's so, ah. These fit better than any other slacks I've ever worn, and they do flow. They're gray, by the way. Otherwise, just picture Gene Kelly. This is great. Oh, these are great. They look really good. How do they, I mean, how do they feel? They, they feel great. Good. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I didn't want to leave with just the pants. So I told Natty a bit of what happened during the last visit. And we started doing the. Uh, you started doing the fitting. And you had no idea of knowing this, but I got very intimidated. I was like, oh, wait, I'm out of my element right now. Oh, really? The, I think the yeah. thing was for me, some of these social spaces growing up and oh. feeling intimidated of sharing insecurities with other men about right. my body and other men or the boys yeah. doing the same thing of being like, I'm short or I'm hairy or I'm fat or yeah. whatever it is. And as adults, like really removing that yeah. and just talking with other men being like, how does this look? Yeah. Like, do I look frumpy in this? Right. Do I look really blank? Do I look yeah. really... And still trying to remove that childhood or that boyhood sort of shame of it. So I've been thinking a lot about when we when we grew up as kids and the ways in which we tried to impress each other and tried to, uh, and the ways we tried to impress each other by being bad to other people, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, excluding people or or uh, using people or you know, and I think that's it's uh, it's a sort of sadly universal thing maybe, but uh, perhaps something that you know will get better. Perhaps something that will get better. It's not that I wanted a revolution to happen, but I just wanted to prove that it's easy enough to have these conversations. This was such a pleasure. Natty, this was great, yeah, man. Yeah. Um, I'm actually, let me give you a hug. This yeah. is really wonderful to I'm get excited. a chance. Cool. See I'll see you later. I can say this, going to a tailor, yes, I will continue to do it. And I hope Natty might be that tailor for me. 
the custom-made pants. Awesome use of money and time. But I want the good conversation. And I want to hear about your experience too, Mr. Taylor. All while wearing some killer, peak career Michael Caine-style glasses. You know, nothing too fancy. This episode is produced and hosted by me, Mark Pagan. Our lead producer is Caitlin May Burke, and our associate producers are Ben Goldberg and Rebecca Seidel, with support from IFP. Editing and engineering done by Ben, Rebecca, and myself. Our logo and illustrations are done by the incredible Iga Zhebek. Special thanks to Anita Flores and Rob Penty for their vocal talents, and Nathaniel Natty Adams. If you're interested in getting something tailored by Natty, which I recommend, you can contact him via his website, nattyadams.com. You can also pick up his books, I Am Dandy and We Are Dandy, wherever you shop for books. You can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. We are now on the NPR One app. Sign up for our newsletter at othermenneedhelp.com. And you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Until next time, adios, ciao, ciao, bye. Now you're talking about a guy like Mark Pagan, who you go out and you buy him for £60 million, but what's he bringing in, right? Other than his personality, yeah, his sex appeal, we know he's a handsome man, but... What's he doing on the pitch? I just switched accents, shit. (laughs) Sorry.